Please turn to Hebrews 11. Seeing as it's Heroes Weekend, we're going to have a look at the heroes of the faith that are listed there in Hebrews 11. Starting in verse 8. Good, let's read. I think it's so appropriate to be, to be reading this on Heroes Weekend because we're going to talk about real heroes and about how each one of us needs to become a hidden hero. God wants you to be a hero of the faith. So um, Hebrews 11 verse 8. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as in his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were living, still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country that they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I think there's one particular phrase that jumped out at me from that reading, and I wouldn't be surprised if it resonated with you as well, and it's that one on the overhead, longing for a better country. Hands up if you're longing for a better country. <laughs> I knew everyone would have their hands up. I know I'm longing for a better country. Uh, this is a photograph of a former employee of mine. I'm still in contact with him. His name's Timothy. That's his wife, Alice. They live as subsistence farmers um, in a place called Nyamazue, which is close to Matoka. You can see that, that Alice has lived a, a hard life, and that photograph was taken 15 years ago. It's, it's much more evident now. And she has a chronic illness which eventually will, will take her life. And at the moment, Timothy can't afford to pay for her medication. He's been denied that very basic dignity of being able to, to take care of his own wife. And imagine what it must be like for him. So you can be sure that he's longing for a, for a better country. Um, this is a photograph of a wheel from my mother's car. <laughs> she was driving down Alps Road and she hit a pothole. Um, she's longing for a better country as well, preferably one with better roads. Um, it, it even bent the, the back axle of her car. It was uh, such a significant impact. <laughs> um, Anyway, I guess that there's, 
there's no need to sort of labor the point that every one of us is just longing for a better country. But I've been wondering that if we did live in a better country, would that longing in our hearts still be satisfied? This is a photograph of my kumusha. My, my, my mother's family has been farming in this particular valley for over 400 years. That, that house itself is, is about 400 years old. Um, you can't see it in the picture, but there, oh, you can. On the right, there's a smaller building which is even older than 400 years old. Um, it's, in a, it's in a valley called the Lindenthal Valley because it's characterized by having lots of linden trees. And in summer and autumn, that's what those trees look like. It's just absolutely beautiful. But I was just wondering whether my longing for a better country would be fully satisfied if I happened to go back Kumusha. Um, I was thinking about my uncle. My uncle, who is from Switzerland, spent most of his life battling with depression. And then about three years ago, he, he woke up early in the morning and um, he turned to my aunt and he said, I'm gonna go and make breakfast for you so that you can have breakfast in bed. And she was lying in bed, just busy dozing off shortly afterwards and, and her peace was shattered by the sound of a gunshot because um, he'd gone down to the, to the, the basement of the, of the flat and, and shot himself. So if you, if you were my aunt and she's still alive, fortunately she knows the Lord and God has been incredibly gracious to her, but you can be sure that she's longing for a better country even though she lives in such a beautiful one. And even in an apparently perfect country like Switzerland, people might, like my uncle are taking their own lives. And even in a perfect country like Switzerland, people have bodies that are gradually wearing out. And if I lived in Switzerland, my longing for a better country would not be fully satisfied. And I know that it would be the same for you. I often wonder why it is that we long to stay young and to stay healthy. Um, some time ago, I uh, left a, a laptop computer behind at Tony Roberts' house, and um, I rang him up the next day. I said, can I go to the house and get my computer? And he said, yeah, not a problem. So I drove there. He said, you'll be able to, to raise the, the domestic worker. Um, and I hooted and hooted, and I just couldn't. Um, get a hold of him and I sort of pulled myself up over the wall and I could see that the domestic worker was busy sweeping and because he was sweeping he couldn't hear me. So I rang up Tony, I'm still thinking that I was 21 or 22 and I said, is it okay if I climb over the wall to go and get, you know, raise the domestic worker? And I got halfway up the wall and I realized that I was no longer 21 or 22. Um, I had, my body had not, I was going to say progressed, but actually it had regressed. But the thing is that when you look at our society and the society that we live in worldwide, people are, are longing for, for agelessness. They're longing to be young. They're longing to be healthy. They're doing all sorts of things and paying all sorts of money to try and make sure that they don't age as quickly as they actually are. And why is that? I wonder if it's because we were destined for immortality? Could it be because we were originally created with bodies that would never wear out? I think it's the truth. You know, if I walked out of the hall today 
and walked around the corner and found a dog lifting its leg against the tree, that dog wouldn't look embarrassed or bashful. But if I found one of you doing it, <laughs> you'd feel awfully embarrassed. And it's, I think it's because that our souls, which are immortal, just chafe under the fact that we live in a body that's wearing out, a body that's decaying, a body that has bad breath in the morning and is getting old. And the fact is that the Bible tells us, <laughs> shame, sorry Gail. <laughs> Gail doesn't have bad breath, I'm the one. <laughs> I heard Craig say to, to Gail, oh, I'm sorry. Um, and you know, the, the, we, we don't have to go any further than looking into the Bible to see that this is exactly the case with the whole of creation. The whole of creation, Paul tells us in Romans 8, is in bondage to decay as a result of our rebellion against God. The earth is wearing out. Folks, the earth is getting old. That's the reason why we see so many tsunamis, earthquakes, droughts, floods. All of these things are increasing in frequency and they're getting bigger and bigger and worse. And it's because the world is just wearing out. Our bodies are wearing out in exactly the same way. And the Apostle Paul put it this way. He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. That's Romans 8.22. And he goes on to say that not only is creation groaning, but humans are groaning. And he says, even the Holy Spirit is groaning. Do you remember the bit where it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express? And I, th I think if you would just stop long enough, you would be able to hear that groaning, that longing for something better in your own heart. Today's passage urges us to do things, to do two things, and it's gonna have a surprising result. The first thing that we need to do is that we admit, need to admit that we are foreigners on the earth. You must admit that you are a foreigner here in Zimbabwe. And much as we are called to be excellent citizens of Zimbabwe, it should be obvious that we are also citizens of a heavenly country. Now, if we reflect on that for a little bit, what does it look like to be a foreigner or an alien on earth? It'll be immediately obvious because we have different values and behavior. Those things should be different. That would what that is what would normally distinguish a foreigner from the people around them. And so for example, this is what Peter writes. Let me just read to you from 1 Peter 2, uh, verses nine to 12. Where did I put my glasses? <laughs> 1, Peter, 1 Peter 2, verses nine to 12. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have a home. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, now this is on the basis of what he's just said. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God 
on the day he visits us. And then let's go on and read, see what Paul says. This is in um, Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4. Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then he goes on to talk about all the different things that we should do. Instructions for your personal life, instructions for Christian households, for Christian employers and employees. You put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. This is the logical outworking of the fact that your life is now hidden in is it hidden with God in Christ? And so, at the least, being a foreigner on earth is living by the values and the standards and the laws of the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something. It's so much more than that. Let's take Abraham as an example. I'm just going to read to you from Hebrews 11, 9 to 10 again. Hebrews 11, 9 to 10. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I've often wondered about this because we realize from our reading of the Bible that Abraham became an incredibly wealthy man. He was a man of great means and wealth. And yet when he lived there in Canaan, in the land that God had promised to him, he chose not to, to dig foundations, he chose, chose not to build a house or a homestead for himself. And we know that he was a wealthy man because for example, when his nephew Lot was taken away as a captive, Abraham mustered his men to go and rescue Lot. And the Bible tells us that there were 318 trained soldiers in Abraham's household. Isn't that an incredible reflection of the man of means that he was? So if you look around at you today, there's normally about 150 of us today. There would have been more than double what you see here. And those all would have been trained soldiers, men. Not not including their, their wives and their children. So he was a very very wealthy man. And he, he wouldn't have been breaking any of God's laws by buying land in Canaan and by building a homestead for himself. But you see, when we have faith in another country, in a better country, it causes us to live in a way that's even higher than the standards. He chose to live in a tent. Why? Let me tell you why. Abraham believed that Canaan would be given to his descendants as an inheritance promised by God. In fact, he never received it, but he believed that it would be an inheritance. And if it's coming as an inheritance for his people, why would he buy it? Why would he pay money for it? No, he believed that there was a better country coming up. But he also believed that the promised land was a picture 
of an even better country, a heavenly one which was coming after he died. And so Abraham admitted that he was a foreigner on the earth, but his life was truly distinguished because he lived by faith in the promise of God, by faith in the promise of a better country. And I would challenge you to do that. Start to ask yourself in the week ahead, how would I live if I knew that I had an eternal inheritance? I love that scripture. I quote it so often where Peter says that we have an eternal inheritance. We have a living hope. How would that change the way you live? It would be so much more than simply obeying the rules without any passion. No, because it's faith. It's faith that pleases God. That's the whole point of Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so Abraham did more than that, just simply modeling values and obeying rules. He was a man of faith. He could have bought land and he could have built a house without breaking any rules, but he lived by faith in the promises of God. And like Abraham, you must believe that there is a better country waiting for you, one that you have been created for, a heavenly country waiting for you when you die. You need to live by that faith. And if you do, you cannot fail to be radical for God, to be extravagant for him in all areas of your life, to be generous for him, to be committed and motivated and passionately in love with him. Do you see that in your life at the moment? Because if you don't, then we need to revisit this amazing heavenly country that we're all longing for so that it'll cause us to live by faith. Now, a great example of a person living by faith in the promise of a better country was the Apostle Paul. And I always find this a mind-blowing example. Paul arrived in a city called Philippi, and it was at the site of what had been a, a, a major war between Rome and Greece. And so at the end of the war, Rome was victorious, All the Roman soldiers who'd been in the army that was involved in the battle were parceled out land around Philippi, and so they set up a Roman colony there. And they were more Roman than the Romans back in Rome. Don't you know how you often find that, that colonists, I mean, the English were typical of this, aren't they? English go to some other part of the world, and, and here they are in whatever it is, southern Rhodesia, and they're more English than the English are in, in, in Rome, uh, in, in London. All roads lead to Rome, isn't it? (laughs) So all of these people in Philippi were incredibly proud of their Roman citizenship and the rights and the values that it qualified them for. Enter Paul. He's also a Roman citizen, but he keeps quiet about it. And then after a few days, Paul delivers the slave girl of an evil spirit which enables her to tell people's future. So she earns a lot of money for her owners, and they are furious about this. And so they stir up an angry crowd. The crowd causes such a nonsense that the magistrates arrive. These are the men who are in charge of the law in Philippi. Um, In those days, their symbol of office was a cane called a lictor. And so without even doing a proper um, trial or anything like that, they... They, they cause Paul and Silas to be severely beaten and locked up in the stocks. 
Now the thing about the stocks was that your, your legs were spread apart into an uncomfortable position and locked there in the stocks. And the only way that you could relieve that discomfort was by lying down. But of course you didn't want to do that because your back had been utterly ripped apart by the severe beating that you had received. Let's take up the story in Acts 16. This is a picture of people who are longing for a better country. Acts 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. (laughs) And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights and he rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. Why didn't he say that before he got beaten? No, 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 hang on a moment. I'm a Roman citizen. He didn't do that. They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now... Do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. And after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. And then they left. So why did Paul do that? And I, I think the reason for it was that he knew somehow the Holy Spirit had said to him, I don't want you to insist on your earthly citizenship. I want you to model a higher standard of citizenship here. Model the fact that you are longing for a kingdom that will come once people die. An eternal kingdom. And because Saul did that, Saul and uh, Paul and Silas were, were able to preach to men in prison. What are the chances that they would have been able to preach to those men in, in prison if they hadn't done that? And then um, later on, this is what they wrote in, in Philippians. I keep going for my glasses. <laughs> Let me just read to you from, um, from Philippians. Philippians. 
This is Paul writing now to the, to the people that he had evangelized in Philippi. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. So obviously there was still opposition in, the Philippian, in, in Philippi. Then he says, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you, and that word is like the granting of a present. It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw that I had, and now here that I still have. And so by not mentioning his Roman citizenship, he set an example to the people of Philippi. And he showed them that sometimes we do need to suffer, we do need to make sacrifices for the sake of this eternal kingdom that we have. Folks, if you want to be a true everyday hidden hero, and I'm hoping that that's what we're longing for, and that's what has been stirred up in our hearts through this series. First of all, admit that you are a foreigner on earth. Admitting means to recognize it. Recognize the fact that this earth is not your home. You were not created for this earth, ultimately. You were created for heaven. And then secondly, live by faith in the promise of God, the promise of a better country, a heavenly one. But why will this shape you guys as a hidden hero? Well, it's because faith pleases God. At the end of today's passage, it says, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. The whole point of Hebrews 11 is that faith pleases God. In fact, the writer goes so far as to say that without faith, it is impossible to please God. The heroes of faith in chapter 11 were not rewarded or commended by God because of their incredible exploits. It wasn't those things that qualified them. It was the faith that caused them to do those things. It was their faith in the promises of God. And if the main point of Hebrews 11 is that faith pleases God, the main point of the letter is that we must put our faith in Christ alone if we want to make it to a better country. Christ was the one who died on the cross to take the punishment for your rebellion against God. Christ was the one whom God raised from the dead, showing that his sacrifice was acceptable and giving us the hope that one day we too can be raised to new life on the basis of Christ's work on the cross. Folks, you can't buy your citizenship in heaven. You can't get a green card through ancestry or through marriage. If you're born of a Christian family, that won't qualify you to go to heaven. We need to see evidence of saving faith on the inside, on the outside of your life. Yes, at the least, following the values and the laws of the kingdom, but then also this, this, this hunger and thirst for a better country that expresses itself in the most amazing ways in your life. You're not going to get it through marriage. You're not going to get it through ancestry, a green card. We get citizenship by grace alone, 
through faith alone, in Christ alone. But the question is this morning, will you admit it? Will you admit that you are a foreigner on this earth? And will you live by faith in the promise that you have a heavenly country? And I'm hoping that every one of us will do that and that it will be possible even to add to that Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame. Do you notice the way that the formula there that's repeated over and over again is by faith, such and such did such and such and this was the result. And I'd like you to be able to say it yourself. By faith, Jeff Armand did X, Y, and Z. By faith, Richard Whittaker did X, Y, and Z. Showing that even when they died, they were still living by faith and longing for a better country. And I don't know about you, but, but over and over again in the last um, 25 to, to 30 years, God has challenged um, Gail and I to put all our eggs in one basket. Um, the world says don't put all your eggs in one basket, but we've been challenged over and over again at different times to put all our eggs in a Zimbabwean basket. And the reason why we've done it is because um, when I left university, I had a prophecy which said that you will go through the valley of tears and make it a place of springs. And it said, blessed, it's Psalm 84, it says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who set their hearts on pilgrimage, pilgrimage, a journey to something in the future. As they walk through the valley of tears, they make it a place of springs. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. And this has been our desire. And the reason why we do that, why we've lived by faith like that, is because we believe that the best is yet to be. We believe that there is a better country, not only waiting for us here on earth, but also a better country waiting for us in heaven as well. And so over and over again, we've been able to say, Gail and I, by faith, Ian and Gail, put all their eggs in one Zimbabwean basket because they believed in a transformational church. They believed in a church where people could encounter God and their lives could be changed, where streams of living water could flow in a very dry place. And just, just today I was chatting to, to Alex Anichik. You know that Alex was born in Yugoslavia, a communist country. He didn't know the Lord he ended up being in the, in the Yugoslavian army and being a bodyguard for Tito. And then he came out to this country as part of an organized crime syndicate. Um, two of his marriages had failed. He came to this country, um, continued doing the crime that he was doing, eventually ended up in Chikarubi Maximum Security Prison. And that's where he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he's a part of our family. He's part of our family here at Harvest. And it's because... We are all living for a country, a better country, a heavenly country. I was just thinking also of, of Togi and Juni as well. Um, if, if we didn't have this family here, this transformational church that's looking forward to a better country, then they would have come to Zimbabwe. Juni would have um, caught cancer as she did, had cancer as she did, and who would have looked after them? Who would have been the loving family to take care of them? But because we're here, we were able to, to love them and take care of them, and now they're heading off to their next um, ambassadorial appointment. But this is just so exciting, folks, um, and this is what we need to be like. We need to constantly have in mind this better country that's waiting for us, and it needs to shape the way we live in the present so that we are different people. Um, shall we pray?
Before we do, I'm just going to read Revelations 21, 1 to 5. This is the ultimate picture of what it's going to be like. Just allow this to shape your life, the way you think about things, the way you're planning, even in, this, in the week ahead. Then I saw Revelations 21, 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Don't you love that sentence? The old order of things has passed away. Doesn't it have a wonderful ring? Behold, I am making everything new. Doesn't that sound good? This is the living hope that we have. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would help us as Harvest Church to be heroes of the faith. Just ordinary, everyday heroes, exactly like the ones that we read about in Hebrews 11. They were people just like us, but they were gripped by a vision of something better, a better country, a heavenly country. And I pray that in the same way we would, we would be gripped by that and that it would change the way we live here on earth. Father, we thank you that we, we just can't lose. We thank you that we have that um, eternal inheritance waiting for us. We thank you that we have a living hope. And I pray that it would change the way we live our daily lives. And Father, I'd also just like to, to, to pray if, if there is anyone here who hasn't put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you'd like to do that today. Or maybe you would like to. I just would strongly urge you to do that. This world is not your home. Let me say that with absolute conviction. You were not created for this world. Every person is created with a spirit and a soul that is going to live forever. But where is it going to live? Is it, is it going to live um, in heaven with God or is it going to be, or are you going to suffer an eternal separation from God? Don't let that happen. The best is yet to be. And you're not going to get that green card because you were born into a Christian family. You're not going to get it by simply being a good person. Being good is just not good enough. You need to hand over your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and be prepared to let him manage your life, to invite him to do that. And so if you, would, if you would like to pray right now at this time to hand over your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then please just pray after me. Lord Jesus, 
I believe that you took the punishment for my sin. I believe that the wrath of God was poured out on you. And that instead of your wrath being poured out on me, your love was poured out. I want to turn away from managing my own life. I want you to manage my life, Father God. I want to live in submission to you. I want you to tell me what is right and what is wrong. You've said in your word that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. And so I put my faith and my trust in you. I want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. Please come and change me. Come and take up residence by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, let's go to love and serve the Lord. Uh, let's be gripped by this vision of, a, of an amazing country, a better country that's waiting for us. And I just pray that as, as the weeks go by, people would be able to see the difference in our lives and that we would truly become a transformational church. God bless you all and I uh, hope you enjoy your long weekend.